Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen are, of course, here with me. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello there. So as we're going into the fall season, we're looking for some unique events to cover and different things like that. And it's Looking like we're going to have a couple. We're going to be talking about something that OMSI's doing here in a little bit in the news, which just popped up today, actually, is when I found out about it. So it's kind of cool. And we're also going to be looking in Vancouver, Washington. There is a fort, which is a really cool historic fort. And it's got a lot of history that goes along with it, which uh, we'll talk about in more detail later this fall. But they do these ghost tours and different things like that for Halloween. So we're going to be looking at talking about that a little bit, too. So that's upcoming this fall along with a number of other technical shows and those type of things. So it's going to be a full schedule for the rest of this year. I cannot believe how fast this year has gone by. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. idea that today is October 1st is just amazing to me. I mean, you know, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm happy to be kind of past the heat, hopefully, uh, even though it is in the eighties still, but uh, there you are. (laughs) Yeah. Spooky season is upon us. Spooky season is upon us. And I like spooky season. So, we're going to be talking about some other stuff that used to be sci-fi that is now something that we're seeing actually happen. One of them is NASA trying to redirect an asteroid. And the idea mm. of that, that if there was going to be a problem, you know, the asteroid hitting the planet kind of thing, which we've seen in a lot of movies and has happened in ancient history. Oh, yeah. And it's good to, to practice ahead of time. Mm-hmm. See if you can actually do it. <laughs> yeah. And there you are. I mean, it's just... Uh, it, again, it's just another thing that uh, 10 years ago was like, oh, that'd be very interesting. You saw it in Hollywood. And now you're seeing it on a live stream from NASA. All right. Well, speaking of which, we're going to get back to that in a little bit here. But speaking of which, what do we have in the news this week? FCC advances plan to require blocking of spam texts from bogus numbers. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been having trouble with this lately. I haven't and gotten many. I haven't gotten many texts, so I mean, it's cool. It is a situation. I guess it just depends on the number and those type of things. I'm finding that a senior seem to be targeted. I know my mom's been getting these on her. Oh phone. yeah, my mom gets tons of those, and I have to go through all of this stuff. And it's a it's a situation where a lot of them work a lot like the spam emails, where they try to get you to do something. So the text message comes in, and it might want you to click on something in the text, or call a number back, or even reply to the text message. And it's totally bogus. It's something definitely to be concerned about and be watchful for. But the FCC over the past couple of years has uh, done this shaken and stirred thing where they're trying to block the robocalls and require that our phone providers all use high-end caller ID techniques that prevent the caller ID from being spoofed and that type of a thing. This builds on top of that. And the FCC is opening a period for comments and all of that this fall, and then afterwards, hopefully we'll pass a bill to lock this down a little bit more. So bad guys try to get to all of us where we receive our communications, and now it's more by mobile devices, phone calls, text messages, that type of thing, than emails. And with that, I think we're going to see a lot more of these kind of problems, and it's good that they seem to be getting maybe a handle on this a little bit sooner than they did on the robocalls and fake phone calls. OMSI hosts Superhero Exhibit. Yeah, so this is going to be kind of a cool thing. And for anybody up in Oregon, it sounds like something to check out. I am a huge OMSI fan. We've covered stuff that they've done in the past. And it's going to be opening up, I believe, 
October 8th, I think, is the date. And I'll confirm that. If it's different, we'll put it out on our social media. But it's cool. an exhibit on the Marvel Universe and their superheroes. And if it's done to the standards, which one comes to expect from OMSI, it's potentially going to be something quite incredible. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Now, Marvel, that franchise does encompass a lot of superheroes. And there's a lot of interesting things that they could do with it. So I'm curious to see what this ends up being. Maybe we should go. Oh, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Mozilla calls out Microsoft, Google, Apple for obliterating any form of browser choice. Yeah, so the, this headline's a little intense, but it is on point because we're seeing this kind of in a lot of different ways. Your web browser is a big part of your computer because a lot of what you do is on the internet. And as time goes by, more and more software as a service. So instead of installing programs, a lot of times we access them online, certainly email, things like Gmail are like that. Most banking applications through the computer are like that now, and that list goes on and on. And when you can restrict the browser that your users get access to based on their operating system, it can create some kind of problems. Now, as a, for example, Gmail, which is a very widely used mail platform now, works best with the Google Chrome browser. And I've had some functionality problems with it when I've tried to use it in Edge or Apple or any of the other browsers that are out there. So you have that type of a thing. Now, Chrome operating system on Chromebook does try to restrict to the Chrome browser. Microsoft has tried to do that on Windows unsuccessfully. But when you install a new version of Windows and try to switch browsers, it certainly um, gets a little bit... It gets grumpy. Grumpy, yeah. It might be the right word for it. And... Uh, <laughs> You have to go through this whole song and dance. And then Apple, the same thing on iOS and Mozilla. Oh, what about them? And what about other companies making other browsers? There's a lot of them out there. But there's mm. a lot of them because of these kind of limitations and quote-unquote restrictions. In most cases, if you know what you're doing, you can get around it and run another browser. But they certainly don't make it easy. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where this goes. I don't know if this is going to be something that will come up if in a legal capacity, you know, some problem on that standpoint, but we shall see. Prototype electric airplane takes first flight. So, you know, flying an electric plane would be interesting. This is actually something out of Washington State, and it took its first flight this last Tuesday. They're testing it out right now. It has not been certified by the FAA yet, but they're hoping that it will be. And if it does, it may very well become the first all-electric commercial airplane. And oh, the, test, awesome. the test flight carried nine passengers and two pilots and was an eight-minute flight. So short flight, but hey, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? Exactly. Flew about 15,000 feet, which would make it a short commuter type thing as opposed to the jumbo jets that fly much higher. But um, it's still kind of a cool thing. It engineered in Washington State and Israel and is powered by 21,500 small Tesla-style battery cells. Hmm. Okay, check this out. Anyone can now have a jetpack, yeah. so where's mine? I want one. Well, I think we should probably footnote that to say anyone with money. Um, oh, they are okay. now available <laughs> to anyone that can buy them. They run $400,000 or the equivalent of. They're made by a company called Gravity in the UK. And they are available to order. And so I've heard they're absolutely incredible. I think the value is there at any price, so I've heard. But the thing of it is, is this kind of technology, in this case, is certainly early adopters, 
from looking at what they have, they really aren't meant too much for flight, like long duration flight. It's more the idea of just being able to get up and off the ground, which they do quite well. There's a lot of application for that type of technology. And I think we'll see it being developed as we go on and, you know, maybe military applications or other things like that. But it is cool to start seeing this. I mean, we were promised jetpacks years ago. I mean, the Jetsons, this was going to be the case in 2000. And, you know, here we are in 2022. But I will say, so I've heard that it is better late than never. And it is something that if you have that opportunity, and it's not limited to that. If you can't afford the $400,000, there are companies like Jetpack Aviation in Los Angeles where you can pay and be trained for a couple of days on their on their jetpack. It's not cheap there either, but it's under 10 grand and have the experience. But I don't know, something like this, you'd want your own. I mean, it just would be fun. So I've heard. What else do we have in the news? <laughs> LinkedIn ran undisclosed social experiments on 20 million users for years to study job okay, success. Seem yeah, a little I creepy that. somehow. I, I mean, I don't know if it is, but uh, look, uh, I, look, I totally believe it because I tried many times to apply for jobs through LinkedIn. Never got a response from anyone ever. Me too. That's interesting. So, what this was is basically a study on their algorithm for job seekers and also finding likes or friends, I guess you would call it, that type of a thing. And the idea on a first degree of separation, second degree of separation, people you may know, they call it the people you may know algorithm. This ran from 2015 through 2019. And they were looking at the idea of being able to connect people to the right people, at least so they say in the study that was published. The Uh concern that has come out here is the idea that there was no transparency on this at least I had never heard of it. And it seems like from the, some of the comments we're getting, most others hadn't either. So it feels like you're being experimented on without your knowledge a little bit. Now, at the end of the day, I do have to say, LinkedIn does the best job of all the social night sites that I'm on for finding companions or friends that you can connect to and interact with. It, it, what it suggests are actually valid. And I don't have that so much on sites like Facebook where the suggestions are like, well, okay, whatever, you know. This may or may not work, but um, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll have to dig into that in a little more detail. Does anybody think they've been a part of this? Let us know. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. You know, a conversation we've had in our closing segment a lot of times is about stuff that's on television, movies, that type of a thing. But there's a lot coming out. I think it's for the fall season. So we wanted to actually look into this and spend a little bit more time and maybe even answer some questions. But let's start, Jeremy and Gretchen, with both of you. What have you been seeing out there? What do you like? I know we talked a little bit about She-Hulk before. Why don't we start there? Because I think you got some more details on it. Yeah, um, actually, She-Hulk seems to be um, continuing along pretty well, uh, and um, it, it, it has a lot of humor. So if you like superheroes and situations that are humorous, then sh- sh- this is probably a good show for you to watch. Yeah, she breaks the fourth wall more than De- Deadpool. Deadpool. It's, oh, it's really? Funny. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, she, she comments on everything. Like, she, you know, is in a conversation with somebody, and then she turns and looks at the camera and explains part of what's happening and or how she it's goes going. like or somebody was really snarky to her you might she might turn and look like really 
you know, like, right. you know, that look that you look like between friends, like, oh, that person was a jerk. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> no, that's kind of cool. That's so, kind of cool. The show seems to be doing well. The critics like it. And there's, there's a lot of positive and some negative feedback on it. But that's to be expected with just about anything, really. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who's an artist of any kind, you're always you always should expect a few people just not to like it regardless. Yeah. Yep. So um, now, is this Disney Plus or Amazon Prime? This what is Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Okay. Okay. And another thing on Disney Plus has been the big Andor thing. And one thing that I, I would like to tell anybody who sits down to watch Andor, make sure you watch all three of the first three episodes because it takes, and I think this is the reason why they, um, they released all three, the first three ones together on the same day. Because you have to watch all three to really get finally pulled in. It's a okay. very complicated um, storyline. There's a lot of character development and laying down of situations. And you can't do that in one hour. And if you just watch the first hour, you might go, oh, I didn't really care for that. No, watch all three. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's an amazing setup. Because, you know, we know he's going to become a rebel spy. And this sets up everything and how he gets involved, why he gets involved, and how deep all of the uh, the things that go. And leads into Rogue One. It, it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, we haven't watched the fourth one yet. And we didn't want to do that while we were talking about that today. So right. we don't want to give out any spoilers. No, and that, makes, and that makes sense. Now, are they actually limiting it to an hour or is it just random lengths like so much of this stuff is now? You know, I have no idea if it's actually one precisely 60 minutes. I don't know. Um, I don't I don't think they're precisely 60 minutes, no. <laughs> but it, it runs for it seems like it runs forever. Yeah. So it's it's a good, good length of time. You're like, oh, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway. OK, so that's for our Disney Plus viewing. Now we've uh, branched out to a few other things now, like on Netflix. We've been watching The Great British Bake Off. OK. Okay. And and I think we're on our 10th season. I think so. And one of the things that I've noticed that with this show, if you're in a bad mood, watch it. Okay. It'll cheer you up. Unlike some of the other baking shows, uh, we were watching one that had a Halloween theme because, well, Halloween's just around the corner. Right. And so we watched a couple of the Halloween ones and this wasn't the Great British Bake Off. It was something else. And they kept coming up with goofy th situations that interrupted the baking and the creative process. Okay. Like every, uh, the bakers were completely stressed. All the drama. Well, okay. I don't like the drama. And all it does is make everybody upset. The great British uh, bake off is not like that at all. Hmm. They are really supportive and they want everybody to do well. They don't mess with people. It's all about actually baking and doing a good job baking. Okay. And, and there's none of the negativity. Um, sure, um, the, um, the judges will give pretty harsh, you know, they'll be very honest about their appraisals. But um, it's not about drama. It's real. Yeah, you're, you're actually trying to actually bake the, the, you know, somebody's famous shortbread cookie or a cake in a certain style with certain ingredients. And half the time, I mean, like the, uh, the middle of the show, how technically well you bake, they tell you what you're going to bake. They give you the exact ingredients and are like 
you know, make the dough and cook it. And that's it. That's, Real those are your instructions. instructions. So you have to really oh. be a good baker and have a good idea of how things are put together correctly. So yeah, like and, uh, one, one, there was an instruction, feather the, the, the cookie. I'm like, huh? <laughs> and, 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 and a bunch of the people knew what feathering meant. And, and two of them actually made white chocolate feather shapes to put on oh top of the, of the cookie. <laughs> yeah. And one gal did a beautiful job. But that wasn't. I'm what just that trying meant. to imagine yeah. what would happen if I ended up in a situation like that because I barely can boil <laughs> water, and you know, it's uh, the, my yeah. idea of cooking is is calling Uber Eats. So it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so and the series is is pretty is done very well. Uh, it's in a tent on a, a big grassy a hotel on, on a hotel like lawn property. Yeah. So during the um, pandemic, they would bring the people they're going to. Pr- participate in the show there sequester them and have them do the show so no one was uh, going to be sick they weren't going to go go home and get sick and come back and make everybody else sick they were all stuck there yeah and th- so they they go out of their way to make it a nice environment so our next thing since it's getting close to halloween we thought we'd be watching lots of uh, ghost mm-hmm. stuff and um, so we watched, um, uh, we just came across these fellows called Ghost Brothers. Oh, yeah, I know that. I like I've that. Never I seen actually, them okay, I, I will let you talk about it, but this is one that I actually have seen, and I really okay. like it. Okay, there's a, yeah, they're actually really fun. Um, they have about three different shows, three different seri- series of shows. Yeah. And, um, and you can tell that uh, as time has gone on, they've really improved with their style of dealing with things. Mm-hmm. At, at the very early ones, they get scared a lot. <laughs> but towards the, uh, the later shows, they're really focused. And these guys are really neat. They have nice personalities. Yeah, they do. So, and they're, they're really supportive of everybody. They want to go to a thing and try and prove prove that, yeah, it's, it's definitely haunted. But it's not like um, a really bad haunting. These people are just these dead people are just trying to make sure that you know that they're right. there. Yeah. And, and so I, I kind of enjoyed them. And then. The other series uh, is called Ghosts of Devil's Perch, okay? And uh, it has a guy named Dave Schrader, Cindy Kaza, and Katie Stafford in it. And I've seen Dave Schrader before and Cindy right, Kaza. Okay. And I mm-hmm. actually, I think Katie I've seen somewhere, somewhere before, else too. Somewhere else, too, yeah. Yeah, he might have worked with the Taps people or mm-hmm. somebody, or maybe the Adventure guys. I don't know. Um, uh, this one is a really... Uh, it, it, it's like a mystery. It really pulls you in. Uh, sounds like Butte, Montana is pretty haunted. Where do you watch this? Oh, it's Travel Channel. Oh, Travel okay. Channel. So uh, Hulu. Hulu. Okay. All right, and I believe Travel Channel yeah. has an app too. So that's cool. Now, hey, check them out. Yeah. Let us know what you think of all of this. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We were just talking about fall television and getting into some of the stuff for Halloween when we had to go to the break uh-huh. and talked about one series. But there's a lot of stuff out there. So let's uh, keep going with that. So um, we were talking about 
uh, Ghosts of Devil's Perch mm-hmm. and uh, starring, uh, I guess you would call it starring, Dave Schrader, Cindy Kaza, and Katie Stafford. Okay. And what they do, uh, they did was they were basically, it, it, at least it appears that they were invited by the police department there to help deal with all of the strange calls that the police department has been having. And um, there was a gentleman, I I don't know his name, but it looks like he was set up in a a church where they kind of use it as a base. And Mm -hmm. this fellow is a local and he's been helping them do research into the historical background of Butte, Montana. Um, So this (laughs) this show really tells you a lot about the history of this city, Uh, the, the, the mining the 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 mining gambling prostitution <laughs> um the the because it's you know it was a it started as a mining town so it had all the low end you know horrible things that are going on and then it you know went up from there yeah as people got rich they started building beautiful mansions mm-hmm. right uh, they we even actually had have a- someone on our staff that's an expert on montana or he's mm-hmm. lived there at least and that's our producer bill snodgrass and you know we should invite him on to answer some of these questions because he knows yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I've been wanting to suggest to him to watch this show. And one uh, question that we asked him is that normally when you talk about stuff during the 1800s, you know, gold hounds and, and railroads and all those things, you usually have stories about Chinese as well. Right. And I'm like, well, so far we haven't run into any stories about the Chinese. Well, nope. I asked him and he said that the Chinese were uh, forced to live underground in Butte because mm-hmm. of you know, social stigmas and other things, discrimination. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There was yeah. A, and, and believe me, I think that place had a huge load of discrimination for everybody. I mean, yeah. it was a rough, rough town, right. at least that's the impression I've gotten. And so, um, these three, uh, individuals have been doing their research, trying to help people figure things out. So it's been a, a kind of a fun historical thing. Now, Dave Schrader, Cindy Kaza, and do you remember who the other fellow was? Uh, uh, yeah, his his name was uh, Shane Pittman. He okay. was their, their tech guy for the, that show. Who was show. Their, uh, their other tech guy? And they did a program called The Holzer Files. Now, I'd never heard of Holzer. No. And apparently, Jeremy, explain who Holzer <laughs> okay. was. Uh, Hans Holzer was an Austrian-American author and a parapsychologist. Okay. In the uh, early 19, 1940s and 50s and 60s. And a psychologist studies unusual things. It's not yes. like normal psychology, you know, ghosts, ESP, and stuff like so that. So he, he did hundreds of investigations with mediums at supposedly haunted places. He investigated the Amityville house. Okay. So he was the first, one of the first guys there. It's almost a first um, ghost hunter in a way. It actually, is. his his book is called "Confessions of a Ghost Hunter." Okay, there, so there you are. <laughs> of 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 many, of the hundreds of books that he wrote. Now, yeah, and and um, there's a dates. A lot of these investigations, they had film footage of it. Mm-hmm. They were from the fifties and the sixties, audio recordings, and 70s. yeah. So I mean, it's it's fascinating that this happened so so long ago, and we're like, oh, ghost hunting is a recent thing. No, no, no it's, it's not. not. Around for a no. while. Wow. This uh, guy laid the foundations for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he had hundreds of books and all these investigations and notes, and the Holzer files is 
Dave and Cindy and Shane going back over some of the stuff that he wasn't able to figure out and going back and reinvestigating. So they're working with his daughter who has access to all of uh, her father's files. And so they go through, e- uh, you know, each one and talk about it and run the, the some of the footage and some of the feelings that she she uh, picked up from her dad about certain investigations. It, it was it's a fascinating show. I had no idea. So if you're like a hardcore ghost hunter, you mm-hmm. should look up this Holzer guy. No, no I think it sounds it, is, it sounds amazing. So let us know what you think of you know with all the stuff coming out for the fall. We'll get it, feedback from everybody that watches it and just see. And kind of have our own little conversation here on this stuff. And I think we'll keep doing the same thing just to see what's out there. So when we get back from the break, we're going to be circling the technology and talking smart homes again. We started this last week and have had a lot of questions come in uh, dealing with what's <laughs> out there and what's changing and, and what you can do now, which has really, really changed. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We talked about some upgrades to Samsung SmartThings last week, and we've had a lot of questions come in, and I want to address a little bit of that here. But before we get into that, I just want to quickly cover another one of these used to be sci-fi type things. NASA successfully, deliberately crashed a spacecraft into an asteroid. And the idea of this is to figure out what to do if we had that nasty asteroid coming to hit the Earth. Now, it's going to be a little while before they're going to know if they were able to change the trajectory enough, but the mission itself was quite successful. And the mathematics behind that, to me, are just amazing to be able yeah, to yeah. set something like that up. I, it just, I, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, I'm impressed <laughs> about, I, I mean, can you imagine trying to shoot something? I mean, how, how far away was that? Uh, quite far. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but the thing of it is, is it's and, something and, and, and it's moving, too. Yeah. So Everything's you moving. Out, yeah, you had to figure out where it was going to be by the time it traveled. I mean, we're talking really good math. <laughs> really good math, and it's a small target. I mean, you know, all of that stuff. It's yeah. just like a, 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 these people that are able to do that are geniuses, in my opinion, when it comes to these things. But it was successful. Now, just on the same topic, the other one that hasn't been yet is Artemis. They've been having their problems, uh, fuel tank leaks. They weren't able to launch, and now with the hurricane, they had to delay again. So we'll see what happens with that. I think they're looking at November now as the next launch attempt. So just some updates on that. I wonder if they're going to leave that out because that that's a big... I wouldn't think so, but moving that is also involved. But, you know, conceivably, and also just where it is versus the hurricane and all that stuff. So, you know... I don't think you can just put a tarp over it or put a plywood. That's a little more involved. <laughs> no. Yeah, build a little wood box for it. It'll be yeah. fine. So anyway, questions coming in about smart home technology. And this is something that I know I really enjoy. And for a long time, this has been you can control your lights remotely. And then they added security. So you have an alarm system and can lock and unlock your doors. But this is getting a little more, let's again, say sci-fi. And one of the most unusual things that I've experienced so far is I had to replace my mattress, uh, my bed, my mattress. And I got an adjustable base and got to try out this new sleep tracker AI thing Mm -hmm. it makes, where I now get an email every morning that's almost akin to having a sleep study every night. (laughs) 
And uh, really, you know, it's uh, it is absolutely incredible to see that. And it's kind of cool. And I'm finding that it's actually helping me out because I'm able to see different trends and do different things and figure stuff out. And then the other thing that's really kind of cool about it is the bed has other features where if you start snoring, it will adjust so that you stop the height and <laughs> able to move you around automatically. And the other thing that I used for the first time this week, we had a very early uh, business meeting and it's setting the alarm. So the bed's able to know when you're in your REM cycles. So it adjusts the alarm so that it wakes you up when you're out of REM, which is jolting on a regular alarm clock. And that makes it a lot smoother. So we're seeing some technology out there that really is kind of innovative to the other things that we've had for a while now that are still cool. I'm finding my smart home system is actually 12 years old. And as a result of that, some of the components that we talked about this last week are starting to become obsolete. I'm having to upgrade a few things and that kind of stuff. The cost of these components, even with inflation right now, has come down from when I originally bought them. And one of the other things, yeah, I remember they were, they were pretty expensive. They were very expensive in their, in their day. One of the things I recommend if you're looking into putting this type of technology into your house is pick out a provider. So one of the mistakes I made, but of course, early on, there wasn't really another way to do it, is my components, a lot of them are made by different manufacturers and they don't always talk to each other right. So that's one of the reasons why I like Samsung Smart Things because it's the most open one. And that was coming off of a system called Iris that was made by Lowe's that they discontinued. It was closed source and they tried to upgrade it and then it didn't work right and kind of just bombed. And SmartThings was the next hmm. step from that. Now, SmartThings has quit manufacturing hardware. They're software only, but it still is worth using and having that compatibility in there. And as I have been upgrading my lighting system, I'm pr primarily using Philips components now. So they all work together. The control system, I'm using a thing called CASA by TP-Link. And there are these really mm -hmm. cool light switches that have a lit circle on them and they work as a push button and the dimmers have a indicator and there are more expensive systems out there but they work quite well and they're very like i say cost effective but what i'm finding is happening with this is i'm able to start to retire some of these random pieces of equipment it's making everything work better because it all talks better you know and the thing yeah. of it is is yeah. even today with the prices down if you're going to do a smart home it is an investment and that's the other thing you want to sit down is figure out your budget because each control 20 to 40 bucks the light bulbs, that's the one thing about Philips is I needed to get a few more smart bulbs. And with inflation and stuff, I think I almost needed a cardiologist after I saw how much those are now. It, it, oh, it was just, it's like almost $100 in some cases. The light, and the light strips can be a couple hundred bucks now. So it's, um, oh, it's expensive wow. now. They're well made. They do work. I've had very good luck with them. But again, it's just a, it's a matter of, you know, what's cost effective. But now some of the other more unique components that we're starting to see on things that are able to be part of your smart home, certainly vacuums. Amazon just bought iRobot and uh, the smart vacuums of there are becoming very compatible with the smart speakers and those type of things. Things like the garage door opener, which is really kind of cool. Uh, to have that on there. Now, I don't use this, but there is a technology with it that if you want, you can have companies like Amazon have the ability to open your garage door and place your packages inside, which is nice if you have porch pirates and those kind of things to secure it. So some features like that are coming into play. But the other thing that I'm noticing that they're starting to get into a lot now is the medical 
So if you have a senior or something like that where certain things can be monitored, Echo has a system for this that's designed specifically for it. It's a monthly cost, but it seems to work well. And a lot of the others have equivalent technologies. And that works by monitoring the environment as well as wearable devices and all the rest of that. The new iPhone is, a, for example, if you get into an accident, it can detect that you crashed. And if you don't do anything like you're unconscious, it will actually call for help. So these type of things can be very beneficial, especially when they potentially could save your life. So we're starting to see smart homes go well above and beyond what was just a few years ago, being able to control your lights. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of stuff out there. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Just a, a point of detail on the OMSI exhibit. It's called the Marvel Universe of Superheroes. We talked about this earlier in the show, and I said I'd get the dates, and I am coming through with that. It does, in fact, open on October 8th. It runs through April 9th. You order your tickets online, and we will let you know all about it when we get a chance to see it, which will probably be next month. But anything at OMSI, I, I highly recommend, so I think this will be about the same. All right, so Jeremy and Gretchen, Candy Dance, what's that? Okay, well, um, first of all, it's a festival that is, how old is it? It, it started in 1911. It was the, the first one was 1911, and they, they did this uh, festival so that they could uh, buy lights for their for the small town of Genoa. Yeah, Genoa, Genoa Nevada. Genoa, Nevada. Nevada. It's, okay. it's not far from Minden and Gardnerville, which is another small set of towns that were uh, so this is northern nevada not as opposed yeah, to like northern Las nevada Vegas. okay yeah. northern western nevada yeah right anyway so they yeah, um, okay so they said they had their first festival to buy the lights and then once they bought the lights they realized they needed to pay for the electricity so, so they, they had, had another to, festival yeah so <laughs> so they've continued this yeah <laughs> so and then in 1974 they added an arts and crafts fair Okay. So now, when you go down there, there is a there is a dance, there is uh, candy, there's uh, a fancy dinner, as other events going on in in the for the thing. But most of it is an arts and crafts fair, which yeah. we really enjoyed. Yeah, we were bored, and we thought, hey, why don't we check that out? See if it's any good? Because you know, everything after COVID was like, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny. We um, this this festival was amazing. Everybody was happy. The the streets were packed. I mean, mm -hmm. we were actually almost overwhelmed when we arrived because it was like, where so, do we go first? Yeah, it was, so many people. It was like San Diego Comic Con, you right. know, packed. <laughs> but so. it, it was a fun event. I mean, they had good food. Um, I didn't see any any entertainment, but that might not have been where we were standing. Yeah, uh, we were able to walk around, see all kinds of cool vendors, and buy cool things. Now, one thing, uh, just like everything else, uh, prices have gone up, and a lot of the the cool things that you could get at these kind of shows have gone up. So, if you plan to go to an arts and crafts festival like this, bring a little extra money. Yeah, just be, <laughs> just be be prepared for it. All right, GenoaNevada.org is the website for this, and it looks like it's held the last weekend of September, but the dates would be up there. Definitely something that sounds like it's worth checking out. And it was fun. These things are a lot of fun. And Genoa is a beautiful place anyway. I, I just like walking through there. They've got a great antique store. So it's, oh, uh, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's really, uh, 
really something hey, that's you know what? I bet you it's haunted too. Oh, very so likely. Like hey, that. for Halloween, it's a, you know what? Everything's haunted, right? Why, why not? Why right. not? Yeah. All right. Well, send us what you want to hear. 503-766-6264. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.